Hey, welcome to the Everyday Immunity Podcast, a place where we talk about different ways to boost the immune system naturally each and every day. I'm your host, Alicia Rosati of Rosati Nutrition. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode. I am very excited to be talking about this topic today. If you couldn't tell by the title, we are talking about the health benefits of coconut oil in relation to Alzheimer's disease. And if you guys have been listening to some of my other episodes, you will know that my grandmother passed away from Alzheimer's and me and my mom both have one of the Alzheimer's genes. How did I find out about that? Um, I did the genetic testing on 23andMe. You know, you just get a kit, spit in a tube, you mail it back to them, and then they come back to you in a few weeks with all of your results. Something that I do want to point out, though, is that even if you have not had genetic testing done or if you have had DNA testing done and you do not have the Alzheimer's gene, this information is still important because Coconut oil is good for so many things other than just brain health, even though that's what I'm going to be focusing on in this episode. But as I mentioned in my previous episode, your genetics are not fate. So regardless of whether or not you have the gene for it, um, your daily, you know, day-to-day lifestyle activities could increase your risk of developing Alzheimer's later on. I'm talking about things like exposure to toxins and pesticides, inactivity, you know, an inadequate diet. There's so many different things that increase your risk of developing Alzheimer's. One of the big ones is aluminum exposure, which I'm sure you guys have all heard of. You know how deodorant companies are now going aluminum free, which is great because aluminum is pretty terrible for you and just how it accumulates in the body. But that's what that's my whole point. That's what I'm saying. Like whether or not you have the gene for it, you should still avoid aluminum to reduce your risk of developing Alzheimer's. So whether or not you have the gene for Alzheimer's, you should be doing preventative actions that will definitely reduce your risk of developing this disease. So first, I want to actually talk about coconut oil alone a little bit. Um, I'm sh- I'm sure if you guys you know, didn't live under a rock, then you heard a few years ago that coconut oil was like the ultimate superfood. It was literally everything. You needed to use coconut oil, um, you know, in your coffee to cook with, oil pulling, uh, use it in your hair, use it on your skin. Like coconut oil was literally used for everything. If there was something that needed to be done, coconut oil could probably be used for it. And everybody went out and bought coconut oil and we started using it, especially like in our hair, things like that. And then, you know, other studies started to come out and say, hold on a second, like coconut oil isn't really that good for you because it's super high in saturated fats and saturated fats are what you know, lead to cardiovascular disease and increase your cholesterol levels and all this stuff. So then we kind of like pump the brakes on coconut oil a little bit. But I want to discuss some of the science that I've been looking at and some of the more recent studies that actually showed that, no, we were right the first time. Coconut oil is amazing for you. So like I briefly mentioned, the biggest concern with coconut oil consumption was the fact that 
it is so high in saturated fat. Like if you ever look at the nutrition label on a bottle of coconut oil, you'll see that it's like 90% of your daily saturated fat intake, which is nuts. But I want to make it known that this saturated fat is absolutely not the same as the saturated fat that you get in dairy and meat products. So again, I'm going to say that again. The saturated fat content in coconut oil is not the same as the saturated fat that you would be consuming in dairy and meat products. And that's really, really important. The saturated fats that you consume when you eat dairy and meat products consist of long chain fatty acids. That's different than coconut oil because coconut oil is composed of medium chain triglycerides or MCTs. I'm sure you guys have also seen like if you've ever stepped into a health food store or listened to anything regarding nutrition, you know, you've probably heard of MCT oil before and it's mostly, most commonly from coconuts because coconuts are very high in medium chain triglycerides. So why the heck are these guys so good for you? Well, MCTs are very easily absorbed by your body through the portal vein and that's just the main vein that connects um, it moves blood from your spleen and your GI tract so like your gut and your intestines into your liver which is very important so when you ingest MCTs they're very easily absorbed from your intestines to your liver via that portal vein and there is where they are metabolized into ketones That's another really big thing that's been really popular lately, you know, the keto diet and ketones are life and oh my god, before and after ketones, like (laughs) ketones are are very good for you. Um, It's just how you produce them, which I think we need to be a little bit more mindful of. So back to MCTs for a second. MCTs, which stands for medium chain triglycerides, are made of MCSFAs or medium chain saturated fatty acids such as lauric acid and caprylic acid, and there's a bunch of others. But one of the main ones that I want to focus on is lauric acid. This is found so abundantly in coconut, and it is absolutely so good for you. So good for you. So actually, out of that 90% saturated fat that you're intaking uh, when you eat coconut oil, about 45% of that on average is actually lauric acid which, like I said, it's like really abundant in coconut oil, and that kind of just proves it. About half of it is lauric acid. While the rest of the acids that are in coconut oil, like myristic acid, caprylic acid, you know, I'm probably pronouncing those so wrong, but those guys make up the other 45 to roughly 50% um, of that 90% saturated fat. So there were a bunch of studies that I looked into when researching coconut oil and its benefits with Alzheimer's disease, and I will definitely have those linked in my show notes on my website, so I highly encourage you to go check those out for yourself. But if you want just like the cliff notes, keep listening. (laughs) So lauric acid in a bunch of different studies has been shown to reduce risk of developing certain diseases like high cholesterol, high blood pressure, Alzheimer's disease. So these are the kind of studies that I'm looking at. But now one of the main concerns, again, with supplementing with coconut oil was that it raises cholesterol levels and inflammation levels in the body. And if you guys, again, have listened to my previous episodes, you know that chronic inflammation is bad. We do not want chronic inflammation. So this one study that I looked at called Fatty Acids Do Not Pay the Toll Effect of SFA and PUFA on Human Adipose Tissue and Mature Adipocytes uh, Inflammation. I swear, these articles have the longest titles. 
Anyways, that study found that lauric acid and palmitic acid, which is also found in coconut oil, do not activate the TLR2 or the TLR4 proteins, which are proteins involved in inflammation. So this study literally proved that your entire worry that it, you know, raises inflammation in the body is not validated. So coconut oil does not increase inflammation in the body, and it's also been proven not to increase cholesterol levels. It's actually been shown to reduce cholesterol levels simply because it is created with medium-chain triglycerides and not long-chain fatty acids. Now, as I mentioned, lauric acid and some of the other MCTs that are found in coconut oil are quickly metabolized in the liver into ketones. Now, I'll give you a little rundown on ketones, what they are, and why everybody loves them so much. So, ketones are um, a very important energy source for the brain, the heart, and our muscle tissue. They increase fat burning, they decrease inflammation, and they increase energy, which is why, you know, some people who do intermittent fasting or people who are on the keto diet, they say that they feel better than ever and they're addicted to that, like, high kind of feeling just because, you know, your body is being pumped on ketones now and you have more energy when you're being run on ketones than, let's say, other things like glucose. Personally, I don't think that people should be And I'm speaking in general here. Obviously, if you have a certain condition, like everybody's body is different. Everybody's body is unique. What works for me is not necessarily going to work for you. What my DNA needs to run on nutrition-wise is not the same as what your DNA needs to run on nutrition-wise. So for me in general, I don't think most people should be following the keto diet. You do you, you know, talk to someone who's trained, who's a professional, of course. But in general, I don't follow the keto diet and I don't think people should follow the keto diet. But can people benefit from ketones? Absolutely. I I do from intermittent fasting and I feel great. So just wanted to put that little side note in there. In relation to Alzheimer's disease, ketones can act as a alternative source of energy for your brain. So primarily your brain is going to run on glucose Just like, you know, a lot of the other parts of your body, if your blood sugar is too low, you're not going to feel good, you're going to feel lethargic and shaky and all of that fun stuff. So glucose is the primary fuel source for your brain. Unfortunately, what's seen in people with Alzheimer's disease is that their brain does not readily respond to insulin anymore. And you guys remember that insulin is what shuttles in your glucose into your cell to be used for energy. Now, if your cells are becoming, you know, resistant to insulin, so like insulin comes knocking and your cells are just like ignoring it, you know, what is your brain going to run on if it can't get that glucose into the cell? That's where ketones come into play. Ketones can act as that secondary fuel source. And some people say that it actually is better for your brain. Jury's still out on that one. But, you know, if you are having trouble absorbing glucose, because you have something like Alzheimer's, then ketones are definitely an amazing secondary source for energy for your brain, your heart, and your muscle cells. And like I mentioned, there's two main ways for you to get these ketones. One is through intermittent fasting, um, which is what I do. Another way is to get ketones from MCTs, which are primarily from coconut oil. So I've been having coconut oil every single morning. You guys know that I can't have regular coffee 
because of my IBS. So I have this barley coffee and there's absolutely no caffeine in it. It does not give me, you know, like the coffee burst in the morning, but I just like the taste of it. It tastes exactly like a coffee. So I have that every morning with uh, about a teaspoon or a tablespoon or so of coconut oil. And, you know, I just melt that in there. No, it doesn't really sit on your lip if you stir it in really well. Some people I know, they like froth it in their coffee and you really don't notice it at all. It just gives your drink a very creamy texture and you're getting a ton of MCTs and ketones, you know. So if you're up for it, I highly recommend you try putting some coconut oil in your coffee. So I have talked about coconut oil and why people are scared to use it. I've talked about lauric acid, I've talked about ketones, now I want to focus on Alzheimer's disease. And as someone who, you know, firsthand witnessed someone go through this disease, Alzheimer's is an absolutely terrible disease for anybody to have. It's, it's heartbreaking. It's an irreversible disease and it is a progressive disease, meaning it keeps getting worse until the person eventually passes away, unfortunately. It involves dementia symptoms like memory loss and decreased cognitive ability, decreased coordination. Eventually, they probably won't be able to speak very well because, you know, they forget how to speak, forget how to eat, their body starts to forget how to do things, and it's just, it's a terrible, terrible disease, and I wouldn't wish it upon anybody, which is why I am doing everything that I can now to prevent that from happening in myself and my mom, who... You know, we both know we have the gene, meaning we have an increased risk for it. But like I said, anybody has the risk for it, given our environment and our lifestyle and our diet. So Alzheimer's disease was named Alzheimer's disease after Dr. Alois Alzheimer. I'm probably pronouncing his name very wrong. But in 1906, he discovered changes in the brain tissue of women who died with unusual mental illness. Of course, this was Alzheimer's disease that later was coined. Alzheimer's disease because of his findings. So he looked at their brain and he found abnormal clumps of tissue, which we now called amyloid plaques. And he also found tangled bundles of fibers, which are neurofibrillary or uh, they're called tau tangles. So he noticed that there was like this excess clumping in people's brains that had Alzheimer's disease. Now, today we also know of other symptoms or characteristics of a brain that has Alzheimer's disease, which are a decreased number of connections between neurons. And your neurons are just brain cells. They're the things that talk to each other in the brain and talk to, you know, different parts of your body via your spinal cord. So when your neurons are firing off, that's you thinking, that's you speaking, that's you breathing, that's the command center telling everything what to do. If those neurons stop firing or there's a lack of connection between neurons, that's when you see things like Alzheimer's disease and decreased cognitive ability, decreased memory, that kind of thing. Now, thanks to today's research and science, we also know that people with Alzheimer's disease have a decreased telomere length. So telomeres, they're basically just repetitive sequence of DNA on the end of your chromosome to act kind of like a cap. So think of your shoelace and you know that little plastic thing on the end, I think it's called an aglet or something. That guy is there so that your shoelace doesn't fray out and and ruin. Well, a telomere acts as the same way. 
your telomeres, you want them as long as possible to protect as much of the chromosome as possible. People with Alzheimer's disease start to see those telomeres shrinking and eventually diminishing, which will start to damage their chromosomes and their DNA. That's how, again, people see cognitive decline, memory loss, forgetting how to speak, their body forgetting how to do things. So telomeres are also very, very important. And I will probably make another episode on this as well, but back in grade 12 when I was in biotechnology, I did a research project on curcumin, which is the active component of turmeric, and its benefits of extending that telomere length. So that's another possible thing that people can be taking to reduce the risk of Alzheimer's disease is curcumin. It's also a great anti-inflammatory and I, I love curcumin. So that's another thing to be looking into. And again, like I mentioned, people with Alzheimer's disease typically have that insulin resistance in their brain, meaning their brain can no longer use glucose for fuel. So you need that secondary fuel source, which can be ketones. So ketones and MCTs are another great way for people to reduce their risk of Alzheimer's and also to slow the progression of Alzheimer's. That's another thing. Like if you already know that you have early onset Alzheimer's or you're in the beginning stages of it, there are things that you can do to slow its progression. Unfortunately, there are no known cures, but some of these studies that I've been reading have shown that women and men who are experiencing dementia or Alzheimer-like symptoms, once they've been supplementing with coconut oil, their symptoms either really slow down, like the progression really slows, or their symptoms actually start to get a little bit better. It is promising. All you got to do is just add some more coconut into your diet. Now, I was looking at one specific study called Improvement of Main Cognitive Functions in Patients with Alzheimer's Disease After Treatment with Coconut Oil-Enriched Mediterranean Diet. This was a study done in Spain. And I'm going to read a quote, a direct quote here from the study. And it says, it seems that coconut supplementation increases the neuronal survival of cell cultures exposed to amyloid plaques with an overall improvement in the cognitive performance of patients with Alzheimer's disease after the administration, thus confirming neuroprotective activity. So that in a nutshell just says it all. Remember that people with Alzheimer's disease have a buildup of those amyloid plaques and of those tau tangles. This Spanish study found that people who have Alzheimer's disease and are supplementing with coconut oil, they saw that those neurons actually had better connections and they survived so much longer. Meaning, you know, right there, coconut oil can help prevent and slow down the progression of Alzheimer's. I don't know about you guys, but that's enough confirmation for me that I read like four or five different studies that all said the same thing, that coconut oil we should not be scared of because it, yes, it is primarily saturated fat, but it is not the same saturated fat as dairy and animal products. It actually lowers cholesterol rather than increasing cholesterol like dairy and animal products. Coconut oil also reduces inflammation and that includes inflammation in the brain. So it's good for your whole body, let alone your brain and reducing your risk of Alzheimer's. Coconut oil is also good for reducing the number of amyloid plaques and tau tangles that Alzheimer's patients have. It also prevents them from being created, from happening. 
It extends the length of telomeres in patients with Alzheimer's and prevents the disintegration and the shortening of those telomeres. And it increases the survival of the neurons in your brain, which literally speak to each other and, you know, make you move. Those neurons are what make you talk, what make you think, what make you breathe, what make you move. So without those neurons, you know, you're not going to survive. Like those neurons are everything. So like I said, for me, I've been having coconut oil every single morning. I've been intermittent fasting, so I'm really getting a good dose of ketones. And I really think that you guys should start that as well. You know, pick one or the other, but it's definitely beneficial for you. Coconut oil is so versatile. It can be used in so many different ways. You can use it for cooking. It's pretty stable, so it's very safe. Actually, one of my favorite ways to use coconut oil in cooking is either to cook scrambled eggs in it or especially my favorite is to cook fish in coconut oil. Oh, it tastes so, so good. I absolutely love it. I've also tried making my own baked french fries in the oven coated in coconut oil and oh girl, they taste good. I 10 out of 10 recommend that you try it out and, you know, let me know if you like it. Other things that you can do are adding coconut oil into your coffee, like I said I do every morning. I wouldn't start with a whole teaspoon or tablespoon right away. Start with just a little bit, get used to it, and slowly work your way up to as much as you can tolerate. I'm at about, I want to say like probably a tablespoon by now, and I absolutely love it. That will give you a shot of energy in the morning. Like if you can have regular coffee, and if the coffee doesn't wake you up, like the caffeine content doesn't wake you up, then the coconut oil definitely will. So give it a shot. You can also use coconut oil in baked goods. Um, you can use coconut oil any which way. A lot of people use it for oil pulling, which is the next thing that I definitely want to try. It Basically, you just swish about a tablespoon or so in your mouth for a couple of minutes and... It's not going to taste great, I'm going to tell you that right now, but it is so good for pulling all the, the toxins and plaque and everything off of your teeth and out of your gums. So that's another good way of detoxification and, you know, you are absorbing some of those MCTs while it's swishing around in your mouth. So another really great thing to try. That's been my rant today. I definitely am going to be looking more into the prevention of Alzheimer's disease considering it's something that I really need to worry about and I'm going to share my findings with you guys as I go. So if you liked this episode, please leave me a review. You know, it really helps out my podcast if you guys review it and leave a comment on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you guys are listening to this episode. Please share it on your social media. Again, it really, really helps me out. It's been a pleasure talking to you guys about the things that I have learned about coconut oil and Alzheimer's disease, and be sure to check out the show notes. But until next time, this has been your host, Alicia Rosati, and I cannot wait to talk to you in the next episode. <laughs>